This episode of Market Foolery is brought to you by TD Ameritrade. Whether you want to place a trade on Twitter or get market news from your smart speaker, TD Ameritrade has everything you need to invest on your favorite platforms and devices. See what's new at tdameritrade.com slash innovation. It's Thursday, September 13th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill, joining me in studio. David Kretzman. I feel like it's been a while for me and you. Yeah, you've probably in, at least a month or so. You've been in the studio here with Mac, but I, it's been a while since you and I have been in the studio together. Some quality Chris Hill time. I'm <laughs> excited. <laughs> See, and I think of it as quality Kretzman time. Perfect. Um, so we'll talk about where you've been because I, I follow you on Twitter, and I, you, you've been doing some traveling um, and uh, with with business intentions. So we'll, we will get to that. And we will get to the stock of the day. Unfortunately, for shareholders of that stock, um, it's not the stock of the day for good reasons. Let's real quick on Apple, and we're going to talk about Apple on Motley Fool Money this weekend. Uh, Tim Byers is our guest, and I'm, I'm going to be interviewing him later today. But I'm just curious, real quick, any sort of gut reaction to the event that Apple had yesterday, unveiling the new phones, uh, the smartwatch? Any anything strike you? One way or the other, uh, it, it, I think it was more of a ho hum event this year. Like we, we talked yesterday, you know, several hours after the event, and I totally forgot that the event even happened yesterday. And I feel like for a lot of people, that was basically the the story there. Like there weren't any huge product reveals. Like they had the incremental upgrades of the iPhone. Now they have the iPhone. XS or XS, yes. <laughs> um, and then so a couple new models, but it's really just improving off what they already had. You know, some changes with the screen, battery life, but nothing dramatically different. Uh, same thing with uh, the Apple Watch. So, really, I, I think you're, you're seeing incremental progress for Apple. I didn't see anything. I, I'm personally still an Android user. I didn't see anything yesterday that would have made Apple devices. You know, at all more appealing for me, and I know if it'll be more appealing for any other users who aren't yet in that Apple ecosystem. But for people who are already iPhone users, I think yeah, that's if you're due for an upgrade, yeah, this will keep you uh, hooked in, whether it's with the watch or the phone. So I, I would think next year in 2020, th- those will be uh, really interesting years to watch because it's usually every two years where Apple will have more of a new device or a really big leap forward uh, from a product innovation perspective. Obviously, they're rumored to be working on augmented reality glasses, which are rumored to come out 2019 or 2020. So I think that's really what a lot of people um, are, are keeping an eye on, and that'll probably be uh, th- that'll probably be like the the newer big announcement in the next couple of years. But for now, this event was. Steady as she goes, nothing too game changing that I saw. Yeah, it checked the box. That's yep. sort of how I looked at it. Like, oh, okay, we got the upgrades that we were all sort of expecting. There was there were no big surprises. As you mentioned, the the XS or 10S, whatever. I I saw someone, I forget who, someone on Twitter, um, spelled it out phonetically, saying, no, it's tennis, like the game tennis, as opposed to XS. Ah, there you go. That's okay. too much, but yeah, uh, but yeah, it seemed it seemed like it checked the box. Let's move on to WageWorks, which is stock of the day because it is down more than fifteen percent. Um, I think it's important <laughs> before we get to today's news to remind listeners that WageWorks is a company that is still in the process of reviewing its financial statements from 2017. Yep, um, which is why we saw a big drop earlier in the spring and the news today that WageWorks has set up a special committee. To examine 
an earlier investigation into financial irregularities. Um, this is the employee benefits uh, administrator company, WageWorks. That's, I don't think, in all the years of hosting this show, I don't think I've seen that before. I don't think, I've seen special committees set up. I don't think I've ever seen, we've set up a special committee to examine the earlier investigation, which presumably was its own special committee. This, I don't want to overreact, but I'm wondering if dropping 15% is an underreaction. Yeah, this is a really ugly story. Uh, yeah, because you have the announcement today, but you really go back to March. That's when they initially said, we're going to delay filing the 10K for this fiscal year. We're going to be looking at restating, potentially restating previous results. And this really is going back to 2016, where I think the culprit is they had a large government contract, and it's just a matter of how they're recognizing sales and timing and things like that. And it sounds like they overestimated the amount of sales they were bringing in, and maybe employees were afraid to to be realistic with upper management and saying, "Hey, you know that contract? I don't think it's going to be as big as we think." It sounds like there's something like that where they just overstated uh, what they brought in as far as revenue uh, and and earnings. So they're expecting to restate 2016 results. Earnings will probably be at least 20% less than what they reported uh, that year. But then, also going back to March, that's they they had a leadership shuffle. So the longtime CEO Joe Jackson he stepped down as CEO, but he was going to remain executive chairman. Well, today's announcement, he's out the door. He's it, gone. He's gone, and he didn't even have like a quote in the press release. So you know that there's something going on with Mr. Jackson there. That I don't know. The the board and upper management just weren't jiving. So. It sounds like we're seeing today more symptoms of a lot of kind of inner cultural turmoil, uh, at least at the top of the company. I'm glad you mentioned that with the press release because that to me, because there's there's a temptation to look at stocks when they are falling and ask the reasonable question: Okay, this is down suddenly. Is this a buying opportunity? And then when you start to dig into it and a lot of times, press releases are just perfunctory, much like Apple's event. They check the box. I was struck by that as well. Like, yep. here's the longtime CEO. He steps down. He remains chairman of the board. Now he's out the door, and there's nothing. There's nothing from him in the press release. And yep. the press release, which concludes with this line, which uh, early nominee for understatement of of the month, uh, final line of WageWorks press conference. WageWorks announced that the board is actively searching for an independent board member who will have the right skill set to complement the current board. <laughs> no, that just doesn't. Yeah, with everything that's gone on the past six months, that is not very reassuring on any level. And on top of that, they're also now reviewing 2017 numbers, so those could be changed. And then on top of that, they gave guidance for 2018 as a whole, and they're only guiding for one to four percent. Revenue growth, and this is after making a pretty substantial acquisition a couple years ago. So here you have a slow-moving, slow-growing company that that's reviewing the past couple years of financials. You have a lot of leadership changes, and it sounds like disagreements on the board and executive level. So a lot of yellow and probably red flags here. So I agree with you. I think this could be a case where a 15% drop might actually. I I wouldn't be surprised if we see more red here in the in the days to come. Quick shout out to TD Ameritrade for sponsoring this episode of Market Foolery. You're always on the cutting edge of technology. You're listening to this podcast that already puts you on the cutting edge of technology, ahead of 
a lot of people who don't even know what a podcast is. TD Ameritrade prides itself on being ahead of the curve, too, and their latest innovations put their resources and services on the popular platforms that you carry and use every day. And now, all you have to do is enable the TD Ameritrade skill for Amazon Alexa, or you can message them on Facebook to stay on top of the markets and learn more about their commitment to innovation simply by going to tdameritrade.com slash innovation. And again, if you've got a smart speaker, whether it's Amazon or Google Home, we've got a daily news briefing here from The Motley Fool that you can check out, in addition to getting our podcasts. Um, as I said, I follow you on Twitter. Yeah, you've been doing some traveling. I have, and yes. I think I think some of it's for fun. But but clearly, you've been you've been out interviewing people. Like what, to the extent that you can share some of uh, the interviews that you've been doing, you've been you you work with Motley Fool Canada. You've been focusing on the cannabis industry, mm-hmm. where we are now. We're not months away. We're just weeks away, aren't we? Like basically a month now. We're yep. a month away from. Canada fully legalizing. I mean, it got passed, but it goes into effect October 17th. That's correct. Okay. So, coming up. And yeah, so last month I went up to Toronto where there was not one, but two cannabis conferences. So, back to back. So, it was a busy week for cannabis in Toronto, Toronto. And the day that the first conference started, that happened to be the same day that the Constellation Brands and Canopy Growth deal came out. So, we're Constellation Growth came out and said we're going to invest an additional five billion Canadian dollars into Canopy Growth, which at this point is by market cap is still the largest cannabis company in Canada and the world. So that was going to raise Constellation's stake into Canopy up to 38%. They'll now have four of the seven board seats, and they have options to basically take. 50% or more control of the company down the road if they want to. So this was a huge investment, like by far the biggest investment we've seen in this space. So there was a lot of buzz and excitement following that deal. And I think most pretty pretty much most people I talked to, I talked to a lot of insiders, journalists, executives, they they really see that deal just reiterating the opportunity here. It just legitimizes like yes, the legal cannabis opportunity is here. It's growing. Uh, to have a heavy hitter in an outside industry like um, Constellation Brands come in and just make such a huge commitment to the category, uh, I think a lot of people see that as a first domino to fall. Uh, Diageo is another you know alcohol company that's been rumored to be meeting with Canadian producers. Anheuser Busch. It's probably just a matter of time before they make an announcement because. We've already seen Molson Coors Canada partner up with a Canadian producer. Then you're probably going to see tobacco companies, pharmaceutical companies, consumer packaged goods companies all start to take a closer look here, just recognizing that, yeah, more countries, more states here in the US are legalizing cannabis. So it's just a matter of time before truly a global legal cannabis industry is forming. So the timing was great to be able to talk to people right after. That announcement. So, spent a few days in Toronto just meeting with executives and insiders. A lot of great conversations there. Then I was in California mainly for personal reasons, but while I was out there, I checked out a dispensary for myself, a Medman dispensary. They're probably one of the uh, bigger like retail brand names out there. They have uh, several um, cannabis dispensaries in high profile locations in California, New York City. Uh, so was able to check out dispensary for myself there. A lot of security <laughs> and things there. Uh, and then I went to Chicago to visit a private cannabis company, uh, Cresco Labs. They're the market share leader in Illinois, uh, Pennsylvania. They're uh, probably going to be a leader in Ohio as well, which recently um, 
took some steps to uh, legalize cannabis there. I think just on a medical level initially. But while I was visiting Cresco Labs, I was able to meet two of their co-founders at um, their headquarters there, and also a shout out to the Grieve brothers, who are Motley Fool members, and they actually introduced me um, to to Cresco Labs. They're uh, they've. They they were able to invest privately in the company several oh, nice. years ago, so they set up that um, conver conversation and introduced me to the company. So we all met with uh, the management there, saw their headquarters, and then we drove out to Joliet, Illinois, where Cresco Labs has uh, one of their bigger uh, growing and processing facilities. So you can see the plants being grown, you can see the processing, so how they essentially convert. The plants into oils and different product forms. So everything from uh, seed to the final product. So it's just nice to be able to see everything that goes into this industry. So it was a cannabis-dominating couple weeks for me. <laughs> so we've talked on this podcast before about in the beverage industry, we've seen smaller beverage producers, whether it's small craft brewers or just. A local company like Honest Tea, and they start and they're small. And for a lot of them, the business goal, the ultimate business goal is we'd like to be acquired by someone bigger. And in the case of Honest Tea, they got bought by Coca Cola. Uh, I'm curious to the extent that the Constellation uh, investment in canopy growth maybe spurred any conversations that you had, whether it's with private companies or public companies. Do you get a sense of a common goal amongst the people in the industry? Is it, hey, from a business standpoint, we'd like to get to the point where we are publicly traded. We take this company public and we're we want to be one of the biggest players in this industry. Or do other or are there people looking at what happened with Constellation Brands and Canopy Growth and these other conversations going on saying, Yeah, we're gonna try and grow this business as much as we can, but ultimately if someone's gonna pay to buy us that's a great conversation we'd love to have. I think a lot of people recognize and believe that we're still in the early stages of consolidation. So the point where you'll see some of the the bigger pure play cannabis companies acquire some of the the smaller players in the space. You'll see some of the smaller and mid level companies try to consolidate to better compete with the larger players. Then outside the industry, uh, this constellation deal is really spurring. Okay, what? What does it look like for outside established industries um, to make inroads into the cannabis space? So I think across the board, with all those different categories, you're going to continue to see a lot of investments, partnerships, acquisitions. A lot of companies at this point are obsessed with gaining share locally where they can in Canada in a lot of cases, but you also have some U.S. operators who are trying to focus on certain states where it's legal, whether it's California, Ohio, Colorado, Pennsylvania, Florida. You have more and more states coming online. So, you're seeing a variety of different strategies. Some companies focusing more on their local markets, some companies are obsessed with Expanding globally as quickly as possible and taking some <laughs> pretty extreme measures uh, to do that. So, for me, it's just been fascinating to follow the category because, as we've talked about the past few months, every company at this point is saying how great they're going to be, uh, but their their track record so far is pretty minimal, if not non-existent. So you have all these companies outlining like why their why they think their strategy is best. But the nice thing about this October seventeenth. Date coming up, kind of a milestone coming up, is we'll finally get a sense for which companies are actually gaining traction, at least in Canada, 
And then uh, along the way, you'll see which companies are starting to gain more traction internationally, which of the US operators are gaining traction. And it's worth noting along the way that even though in the US, cannabis is still federally illegal, it's recognized as a Schedule One substance right, right alongside heroin. I mean, fun fact cannabis is a higher essentially rated as a higher risk substance than cocaine in the US right now so that gives you an idea on a federal level <laughs> where where the government is coming from but we, more we might want to revisit that yeah and i think it's just a matter of time uh, before that happens but um, yeah in, in the meantime with US operators they can't go public on the New York Stock Exchange or the Nasdaq because it's still a federally illegal substance but what you are seeing is a lot of those companies going public on the Canadian Securities Exchange so these companies are going to Canada and even in Canada they they can't list on the more reputable Toronto Stock Exchange for the same reason Toronto Stock Exchange says no we won't let companies list that are selling a substance that's still federally prohibited in in, in your country but so, just for a variety of reasons, you're seeing Canada really become the hotbed both for the legal cannabis industry, but then also for any company that's looking to list publicly, they're going to to Canada. So, a whole lot of things happening in this industry is just fascinating to follow such a fast-paced category right now. So, while you were up in Canada when the news broke about Constellation Brands and Canopy Growth on this podcast, one of the things we talked about when we talked about that topic was the price that they paid. And I'm curious if anyone you talked to said anything along the lines of, hey, good for Canopy Growth, but holy cow, did Constellation Brands pay a lot for that investment? Because that's, that's what struck me. was It wasn't that they did it, it was the price they paid. Yeah, it was a lofty price. I mean, for about four billion U.S. dollars for 38 percent of the company. Uh, yeah, it's a lofty valuation. I don't think anyone in the industry will admit that. Everyone right now is so optimistic right. that uh, they want their company to be invested in at that same level. And from Constellation's perspective, I mean, they really are treating this from a long-term view. Like they're they're saying, like, we think cannabis globally will be a 200 billion dollar market by 2030. And part of the reason that Constellation has been at the forefront of making investments into this category, they announced their first investment in Canopy Growth last October. So, by far, they've been the first mover, and now the first mover was such a dramatically large deal. Part of the reason is that they're essentially still a family-run company. You have essentially the Sands family. So, you have a founder-run company. They're not as beholden to thinking short-term about the risks, like, well, it's not legal in the U.S. yet, like, will the federal government investigate us or somehow get in our way? So I think from that perspective, they they see cannabis becoming uh, a increasingly relevant cultural force. You're going to see more and more countries uh, take the step to legalize cannabis, and I also think by making this statement now, if and when the U.S. does decriminalize cannabis on a federal level, all of a sudden canopy growth has a war chest to go into the U.S. So I think they're anticipating that within the next couple of years, we will see the U.S. on a federal level decriminalize cannabis. And if and when that happens, you're going to see Constellation and Canopy just go all out. Three quick things before we wrap up. Uh, first is that we are hiring here at The Motley Fool. And uh, we got—we actually have a lot of jobs posted right now, and more coming next week. So, 
you can see all of those listed on our job site, which is just careers.fool.com. Careers.fool.com. Also, uh, secondly, the uh, the 25th anniversary sale continues in our podcast shop. Uh, so you can just go to shop.fool.com. 25% off everything in the store. We got some good stuff, and it's not expensive. Nice. Um, and last but not least, if you haven't been listening to our industry focused podcasts, uh, we've got some new hosts. Uh, Nick Seipel, uh, who's a new editor here at The Fool, is uh, talking energy and industrials uh, in the Thursday episode. So, so we got to get out of the studio so Nick can tape his episode. <laughs> um, next week, Shannon Jones takes over on the Wednesday healthcare episode. Um, Shannon has a bachelor's degree in neuroscience and a master's in finance. That's all. Incredibly smart. That's all, that's all <laughs> Shannon has going on. Um, and on top of that, starting next Monday, your new host of the banking financial episodes of Industry Focus, Jason Moser. JMO. Do you think the war on cash is going to come up on that on that episode of Industry Focus? I think I think a new drinking game is in the works. <laughs> Every now and then, I think it will. Um, all of that plus Vince Shen talking consumer goods, Dylan Lewis talking about technology. Industry Focus. If you haven't checked out our Industry Focus podcast, now would be a good time to do so. David Kressman, good to be back in studio with you. Great to talk, Chris. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and the Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you on Monday.